Today's episode is sponsored by Tigo. For most of us, indemnity insurance is one of our biggest costs of practice. But when was the last time you took a look at the coverage and compared your premium with others? Many of us are still with the same insurer we joined in med school or intern year. Thousands of doctors have made the switch to Tigo and benefited from their personalised approach to pricing. You will also get an extra two months free in your first year. If you are new to private practice, you might even qualify for four years of discounted premiums. Tigo offers competitive premiums, quality cover and 24-7 support backed by top medico legal advisors. Get a free quote and discover why thousands of doctors are insured by Tigo by visiting tigo.com.au. Hello listeners and welcome to Deep Breaths, a podcast covering topics related to the part two anaesthetic exam. I'm Dr. Kate Steele. And I'm Dr. Kate McCrossin. And today's episode is What a Wonderful World, where we will discuss a recent article from Anesthesia covering the principles of environmentally sustainable anesthesia. As always, in this podcast, we represent our own views and not those of our employers or ANSCA. In February 2022, Anesthesia published an article titled Principles of Environmentally Sustainable Anesthesia, a global consensus statement from the World Federation of Societies of Anesthesiologists. With nine authors representing the World Federation of Societies of Anesthesiologists Global Working Group on Environmental Sustainability in Anesthesia. Representatives were from the USA, the UK, Australia and France. I was actually pretty thrilled to see Dr. Forbes McGain in the list of authors who was one of my consultants during my provisional fellowship year. Huh? Well done, Forbes. What a small world. Mm. It really is a small world in medicine, isn't it? The principles behind the development of these guidelines were twofold. Firstly, that anaesthesia practice makes a measurable contribution to global warming. And secondly, the authors felt that recent published guidelines, while useful, were developed primarily for and by anaesthesia professionals in high-income countries. The authors also deliberately delivered the statement by the start of the 26th United Nations Climate Change Conference, known as COP26. With regards to methodology, the seven steering committee members invited 38 anaesthesia providers with a recognised interest in sustainability to join a consensus-forming working group. Representation was achieved from all continents except Antarctica, and there is a table provided in the article showing the breakdown of both the steering committee and the working party by gender identification, continent and the income level of their country. A three-stage Delphi process was used to reach consensus on the guidelines that we will discuss next. Firstly, to context, climate change has been described as the biggest threat to global health in the 21st century. As the authors clearly state, mean global surface temperature is around 1.1 degrees Celsius higher than pre-industrialised levels, rising at an unprecedented rate and exceeding a 1.5 degree mean rise has serious consequences for the health of the entire planet, humans included. Globally, healthcare is responsible for nearly 5% of total global greenhouse gas emissions. In England, where some of the most robust data has come from, anaesthetic gases account for 3% of all health sector greenhouse gas emissions. Emissions from anaesthesia performed in high-income countries are higher compared with middle and low-income countries, but the impacts of climate change are disproportionately borne by those in low- and middle-income countries. The working group has issued three fundamental underlying directives. Firstly, patient safety should not be compromised by sustainable anaesthetic practices. Secondly, high, middle and low-income countries should support each other appropriately in delivering green healthcare, including anaesthesia. And thirdly, healthcare systems should be mandated to reduce their contribution to global warming. 
The group also recognises that while high-income countries need to make headway in reducing their carbon emissions, they should also support low- and middle-income countries to do so. But similarly, high-income countries can have much to learn from LMICs who practice medicine and anaesthesia in resource-constrained environments. So now we'll crack the seven principles that anaesthesia providers, their institutions and professional organisations should adopt to provide environmentally sustainable anaesthesia practice. Firstly, anaesthesia providers should minimise the environmental impact of their clinical practice. Now, this includes points such as leading by example, public advocacy of environmentally sustainable healthcare, collaboration with multidisciplinary sustainable teams, promotion and procurement of measurable reductions in the waste of drugs, single-use equipment and energy, and that there should be a lead individual for sustainability in each department of anaesthesia. I'm curious, Kate, do you have someone that champions the environmentally sustainable cause in your department? We do. Miss our Director of Anaesthesia, who's very, nice. very passionate about sustainability and yourself? We do. We have one particular anaesthetist that's very keen on environmentally sustainable anaesthesia and um, and she is the driving force behind a lot of the things that we do, which is wonderful. Mm, fantastic. The second principle states, anaesthesia providers should use environmentally preferable medications and equipment when clinically safe to do so. Underlying this principle is that anaesthesia providers should always consider how they can safely reduce the amount of drugs, equipment, energy and water used in their practice. In practice, this includes points such as disposing of drugs in an environmentally sustainable manner, using the agent with the lowest global warming potential for inhalational anaesthesia, using low oxygen and air flows during sedation and general anaesthesia, routinely leak checking nitrous oxide sources and piping, fitting all areas with inhalational anaesthesia with waste agent scavenging and trapping and destruction equipment, and in countries where they are available, desflurane and nitrous oxide should be used in specific agreed cases only. What I found fascinating about this section is that inhalational anaesthetic agents are exempt from international regulation and reporting under the Kigali Amendment of the Montreal Protocol, the Kyoto Protocol and the Paris Agreement, which makes it difficult to ascertain the global volumes of these agents. On a life cycle basis, local, regional and intravenous general anaesthesia agents are associated with significantly fewer greenhouse gas emissions than inhalational anaesthesia. However, the evidence is uncertain on other environmental impacts, for example, water pollution from manufacturing and disposal of drugs. Mm, that's really interesting. The third principle released by the working group is anaesthesia providers should minimise the overuse and waste of medications and equipment, energy and water. This encompasses points such as evaluating sustainable healthcare in terms of potential harms and benefits, both for individual patients and global health. Following 5R approaches to minimising anaesthetic waste, reformulating equipment packs to eliminate unnecessary items, and using environmentally sustainable cleaning processes for reusable equipment. The 5R approach involves, in order of preference, reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink and research. We all know that operating theatres produce a huge amount of waste. In fact, 25% of all hospital waste, of which 25% is anaesthesia-related. It's mm, a lot. It's a lot. According to the authors, 25% of operating room waste is recyclable. Interestingly, for single-use equipment, most of the carbon footprint is accrued during manufacturing and distribution, highlighting the importance of working together with the industry. For reusable items, the carbon footprint comes mostly from cleaning and sterilising. Individual providers can also adopt a more minimalist approach by not using it in the first place, for example, not drawing up emergency drugs. There is a great section under this principle regarding the debate between single-use and reusable items. 
Interestingly, evidence for reduction in the transmission of infection for the single-use devices is largely absent. In general, single-use items do have a higher carbon footprint, but it does depend on many factors. Ultimately, the single-use versus reusable debate is a highly nuanced one, and decisions really rest on taking into account patient, provider, hospital and population factors. The other topic covered extensively in this section is recycling. While this is absolutely essential as part of the solution, reducing and reusing resources do have a much higher impact than recycling. Mm, That's fascinating, isn't it? Principle four is that anaesthesia providers should incorporate environmental sustainability principles within formal anaesthesia education. The working group reached consensus that continuing professional development in anaesthesia should include personal and institutional education about environmental sustainability, and that anaesthesia training should include education on environmental sustainability also. I guess we are helping promote this today through this podcast, in a way. Hopefully. Hopefully. In the UK, the principles of sustainable healthcare have been incorporated into the undergraduate curriculum for medicine, as well as the 2021 postgraduate curriculum for anaesthesia training. The details about how this could look, for example, the teaching of environmentally sustainable techniques such as TIVA or simple information provision require additional work. Principle five states, anaesthesia providers should embed environmental sustainability principles within anaesthesia research and quality improvement programs. This includes considering the social, financial and environmental implications of anaesthesia interventions in research and quality improvement projects, that professional organisations should promote sustainable anaesthesia through professional recognition and the awarding of research grants and fellowships that professional journals and conferences should routinely present peer-reviewed research and quality improvement projects on anaesthesia sustainability, and that environmental sustainability should be embedded within hospital audit and quality improvement programs. So in this section, it's really interesting to see how the Delphi process unfolded, in particular some of the comments submitted by the working group members. 41% of these comments concerned uncertainties in the evidence to do with statements for which there was agreement but not consensus, so when they had a 50 to 74% agreement. These included topics such as whether anaesthesia professionals should try to influence professional, industry, colleague or patient choices and how the type of breathing circuit influences environmental sustainability. The authors point out that, in fact, evidence actually already exists for many of these areas of concern, Mm. which emphasises the need for further education and rapid and wider communication of research findings throughout the profession. Mm, Interesting. Principle six states... Anesthesia providers should lead environmental sustainability activity within their healthcare organisations. This includes points such as anesthesia providers should recommend sustainable redesign in any proposed rebuilding or renovation of operating theatres. Hospitals and other organisations should facilitate the delivery of sustainable anesthesia. Hospitals and national and international bodies should recommend meaningful, measurable standards for reducing anesthesia carbon emissions that closing down theatre protocols should be followed after each operating list to reduce avoidable energy wastage, and that anaesthetic rooms and operating theatres should be ergonomically designed to optimise sustainable anaesthesia, for example, waste streaming facilities. And finally, Principle 7 states, anaesthesia providers should collaborate with industry to improve environmental sustainability. This includes points such as providers collaborating with manufacturers to improve the sustainability of anaesthesia drugs, single-use equipment, packaging and energy use. Manufacturers should publish open source data about the environmental sustainability of their anaesthesia drugs and equipment that a traffic light colour coding system should be developed to indicate the environmental impacts of drugs, equipment and devices, 
The contracts with manufacturers should include total cost of ownership clauses, that is, incorporating both the financial and the environmental costs of the purchase. And the contracts with manufacturers should be tendered only after careful consideration of their product sustainability credentials. Now, there were a number of statements for which agreement but no consensus could be reached and statements for which there were no agreement, which can be read on page nine of this article. Some of these are quite interesting. For example, there was 39% agreement with the, with the statement, anaesthetists should lobby for staff and inpatients to have access to locally sourced, sustainable plant-based food. There were also a few limitations to this paper identified by the authors, none of which we consider particularly damning, though. So, Kate, what did you think of this topic? So, look, I'm an environmentalist, so I'm pro anything which helps advance a reduction in Mm. carbon emissions and trying to slow the progress of climate change because without, you know, sounding trite, without the health of the planet, we really have nothing. Mm. Um, So, a theme throughout sustainability, both in, like, anesthesia and in my personal life is the kind of the responsibility of the individual versus the responsibility of the system. Mm. So sometimes it's, I think it's overwhelming as individual because you're trying to recycle and mm. buy less packaging and mm. compost and do all the right things and then you just see this scale of waste and, mm. you know, and then you're kind of limited by what's available to you as a yeah. consumer and that's where I suppose the partnering with manufacturers comes in in the healthcare yeah, setting. But look, my approach is that I just do as much as I can as an individual, both yeah. at work and in my personal life. Yeah. And then I try to direct my money and my energy and my support politically yeah. or otherwise as a consumer, investor and yeah. you know, elsewhere and, and kind of direct it towards where I want to see systems change. Yeah. So how about you? Well, to be honest, something that I found really interesting about these guidelines is just the sheer number of ways that we can actually have an impact on the way that our profession consumes. Um, Because, I mean, we always – we have, you know, hard plastic recycling and paper recycling in theatre, but there's actually a lot more that we can do separate to that. The other thing we've done, and I actually think this was really great, is that – we have essentially decommissioned all of the nitrous oxide, so it's not available anymore. Yeah. And even then, we're also looking at – I don't think we have desflurane available anymore. We just like voted, out. We just voted yeah, desflurane yeah. off the island as we've well. Actually, so, yeah, yeah, and we've made – and these are all – and the reasons for all of these changes are purely environmental, mm. not necessarily that we don't use it or we don't like it. It's because of the the environmental mm. impact. So, so we're already moving in the correct direction in our institution, but it just really surprised me that there are – there are things that I, I never would have considered that we can actually do to drive this in in a better direction. Mm. So it was really enlightening for me in that respect. It just it just made me see that there's there's more out there than meets the eye in terms of what we are capable of doing to reduce the impact that we have on our on our world. Yes, well, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's multifaceted, right? And yeah. particularly when it comes to yeah, you know, where you put your procurement dollar, yeah. you know, it's a huge industry, and mm. we can force manufacturers and and you know just ensure that our products are better. Yeah, then yeah, so we'll see. Go figure, hey. So look, uh, yeah, interesting discussion, and of course, our final question today is: What have you learnt this week in anaesthesia? Well, it's not so much something I've learned, but to give context. Today we're recording on Saturday, the day of the federal election, and standing Yay, in election democracy <laughs> sausage. <laughs> and um, and today, so I voted this morning, and something that really surprised me was that the place where I went to vote, it was inside because it was pelting with rain today. So mm. everyone was crowded inside. I was one of maybe three people out of I'd say easily over a hundred you know, that was wearing a mask because social distancing was just not Mm -hmm. a thing that was happening. We were rammed in like cattle at a slaughterhouse. 
And I was just really, I was surprised by how how many people were totally blasé about that, particularly in the current Mm. context where we Mm. have COVID is surging in the community at the moment. It is pumping, flu is kicking off. You know, I now have a daughter with croup, so that's a thing. And I I was just really shocked by how blasé everyone was Mm. about it. So... I felt like a bit of a leper with my with my little mask and trying my best to social distance. But ultimately, it was a timely reminder that this is still an issue. And, you know, I just want to tell anyone out there listening, just be kind to yourself, be safe. You know, if you're concerned, wear a mask. Yeah, I agree. I wore one. I actually voted earlier in the week, but I wore one to vote. And, mm. But, you know, I live in a somewhat progressive part of town. So, yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few people with masks on. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, it was um, – yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm I'm wearing masks at the moment when I'm indoors and can't yeah. socially distance. And yeah. It stops me catching something. That's great. So. Yeah, exactly. We've all mm. had the flu. We all know how unpleasant it is. So, yeah, if exactly. I don't get that, then that's okay. So, Kate, what have you learned this week in anaesthesia? This is kind of more general than just anaesthesia, but I think it's relevant if you're doing any sort of non-clinical work in anaesthesia mm. uh, or, you know, just like the use of email versus phone calls to get things done. Mm. I think there's this real temptation now to send an email for everything, Yeah, but there's nothing like just picking up the phone and having a chat with someone. And sometimes that would be like 10 emails yeah. worth of conversation. Yeah. So I think it's you know it's a bit of nuance about when is a good situation to email yeah. you know particularly when something's not urgent yeah um but when you want a quicker answer maybe yeah. just pick up the phone and particularly sometimes i find if it's someone if it's slightly more complex whatever you're trying to sort out or if you think you're going to have an ongoing dialogue and relationship with someone new it never hurts to pick up the phone and just show them that you're a nice person because i think people's motivation to help you actually grows when they know that you're not a defective human being and you yeah. can be polite and you have so a legitimate of, yeah exactly yeah, the subtle yeah. the subtle nuances that you don't get with um yeah. with written emails so and the other thing is i never write anything down that i wouldn't you know that i would yeah. be worried about resurfacing yeah, again so course. if you're having a sensitive conversation yeah might be the kind of thing where you don't want to put it in writing not that i'm doing anything particularly yeah. scandalous but you know but it is anything can be forwarded anything can be copied so. yeah exactly mm. if you if you're if you think that what you've written may be taken out of context easily by the wrong yeah. eyes maybe consider not writing it down yes i agree mm. well sadly that's all we have time for on today's episode of deep breaths don't forget to claim cpd if you are a provisional fellow or consultant if you like what you hear please rate us on your favorite podcast platform And you can always get in touch with us at deepbreathspod at gmail.com with suggestions, questions, or just to say hi. Thanks for listening, and we hope you can join us next time on Deep Breaths. Deep Breaths.